Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we know now. We come to the place where where we just stumble our way forward. Seeking to deliver truth from God through flawed vessels. Even Paul said, we, we see things dimly almost like looking through a clouded glass. Someday we'll see them clearly, but Father, seeing them in a cloudy way, we still want to proclaim them in a, in a, in a blazingly bright and clear way. And that's going to take the Spirit of God to help us do that. So Father, open all of our minds, open all of our hearts, to be wrapped around and to be caught up in the truth of God that is like a blazing light. And may it transform us and even ready us uniquely for this week ahead. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for the sake of his wonderful church. Amen. Today we come ever closer to the end of this year-ending series of messages titled Words to Live By. And we've been studying, looking at, examining individual New Testament words. Words are powerful things, and every now and then an individual word can impact us more powerfully than a 30-minute message. It's just that one word brings back to our minds and to our hearts great, great globs of truth. And it just starts spinning its way through our mind and one thought goes to another thought and all stimulated by that one word that God has given to us. Here again is the key scripture for this series. It's Matthew 4.4. It's a red letter scripture. It's Jesus speaking. And he said to the people of his day early in his ministry, he said, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here now, added to the ones we've done so far, is today's word to live by. It's the word agape. Now that's one of those Greek words that most Christians know as well as they know the English word, that it's translation. Agape is the English word for what? Love. Love. Or I should say, the English word love is the word for agape. Agape, it's a very specific Greek word, and it's translated in our Bibles by a very non-specific English word. Our English word love can mean a thousand different things, and thus it can be applied in a thousand different ways. Think, for example, this morning of all the different ways you can finish this sentence. I'll start it, you finish it in your mind. I love 
Seeing every one of you could come up with a, a way to finish that sentence about something you love. Something you're delighted in. Something that you're committed to. Something that you mildly enjoy even. Love. The English word really doesn't tell us anything. When people use it, you then have to listen to what are they talking about? What's the context? Are they joking? Are they serious? Is it flippant? Is it profound? When a young man says this to a young woman, she wants to be sure she knows what he's talking about. Because it could be incredibly serious. Or it could just be some guy saying, man, I love you. You're the silliest person I ever met. Our English word is incredibly non-specific. The Greek word we're talking about is incredibly specific. Very specific. It means one thing and one thing only. As you know, the, the Greek dictionary is filled with many, many Greek words that cover all of our different usages for our one word, love. They have a Greek word that means friendship love. They have a Greek word that means husband-wife love. They have a Greek word that means family love. They have a Greek word that means the kind of love that believers have together in a fellowship. They would never be caught dead using the word necessarily agape for any of those things or using any of those words for every other kind of loving circumstance. Today we're talking about something very specific, agape. Now it's important, of course, that we English speakers know what it means, for it is used over and over and over again in the scripture. And God doesn't want us to be guessing as we read it. So here's what it means, agape. Agape means unconditional benevolence. That's one aspect of its meaning. Benevolence. You, you just want a good to come to people. You want to treat them well. Agape is treating people well unconditionally. It doesn't matter what they do to you. You have the mindset that you're going to wish and do good to everyone who comes your way. You're going to be benevolent, kind, Agape really means a decision. It's an act of will. You, you can say, I'm going to agape that person. And it means you're deciding to treat them in a very particular way. And it's, a, it's an act of will because it might not be a condition of your heart. It's a decision to bring goodness and blessing to others. Jesus said, agape your enemies. Anyone you meet can be a target for agape if you decide to treat them that way. Agape, now this could be a message all by itself, but uh, maybe sometime we'll do this, spell it out a bit more. We say agape is really the foundation that stabilizes and enhances all other loves. All the other th different things that we use the word love for, 
if agape is underneath that, that love will be far more stable and will be enhanced and empowered rather than just it being what it is all by itself. If it's just emotionally based love, well, emotions can come and go. If it's based upon we sort of have things in common, well, what if the other person changes? Well, then we don't have anything in common anymore, maybe. Agape can keep those relationships from just disappearing. Agape can be a foundation that stabilizes and enhances all other loves, friendship love, marriage love, family love, church love. So if this message today were organized around a key concept, that key concept would go like this. Today's key concept. Agape is a core characteristic of our Heavenly Father. Agape is what underlies and what energizes and what enhances every single relationship our Heavenly Father has. Agape is a core characteristic of our Heavenly Father, and it is a core characteristic of all who know him. You can't know God without catching a bit of his agape. You can't know God. You can't become a child of God, be born again into the family of God with not, without having a bit of this agape-ness spill into you. Here's what the Apostle John wrote in the first little letter that bears his name, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. John says, Dear friends, meaning his fellow believers there in the church in the first century, Dear friends, let us love, and there's the word agape, one another. For love, and he uses the word agape, comes from God. No human being can just generate agape by themselves. They're not capable of it. It's not their kind of love. It's not their kind of thing. It's not the thing that that their own flesh, their own mind, their own spirit just naturally develops. Agape comes from God. Everyone who loves, that is, who displays, exhibits, demonstrates agape in their life, has been born of God. And they must know God. Like, why are you acting that way? I treated you terribly and you treated me nicely. What in the world would lead you to do that? Or a friend might say, why did you treat them nicely when they treated you so badly? I would have decked him. And you might say, well, I don't know either. It's a God thing. I I just, all of a sudden, I found welling up in me a desire to just do something good for that person who has done bad to me so often. It just welled up in me. I didn't think myself into it. I never would have. Nobody guilted me into it. Nobody was here. And it wouldn't have worked anyway. But it just welled up inside of me. It's a God thing. It came from the life that God has put into me. John is saying that. Agape, this kind of love, agape comes from God. 
And anybody who agapes, anyone who loves that way, has been born of God and knows God. And now the rest of that, the opposite, would of course be also true. Anyone who has not been born of God, who does not know God, cannot possibly exhibit agape in their life. Because it's a God thing. So we could say God the Father is the source of agape itself. At the very heart of all things, at the very heart of everything in this universe, is the unconditional benevolence that God the Father has toward his entire creation. Don't raise your hand and don't mutter and don't chuckle and don't clear your throat. Have any of you ever treated God badly? Have you ever had a bad thought about God? About the Bible? Have you ever found him to be, in your opinion, unfair, unkind, not aware, too busy? You see, it doesn't matter how we treat God. At the very heart of God, at the very center of the creation, is this unconditional benevolence that God the Father has toward us all. He desires only good for us as long as we are living in this world and breathing and capable of responding to his Holy Spirit. Now, we are told, the Bible says, it's appointed unto every one of us once to die. And after that, there comes judgment. God is also a just God. He's unwaveringly righteous. He doesn't overlook sin when, uh, when someone is wanting to, as it were, enter into heaven. But while we live and breathe, while his creatures on this earth are capable of responding to him, his attitude toward every one of us, everyone who's on the face of the planet now, his attitude is one of unconditional benevolence, a desire to see good, which is really godly stuff come their way. Now, John says that all who have been born of God, that is made spiritually alive through faith in Christ and made alive by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, all of those people that I trust include every one of us in this room this morning, they take on that family characteristic. They never really meet a person that they wouldn't want God to bless. They never meet another human being, no matter how messed up, how tragic, how terrible, whatever the conditions are, in their heart, they are thinking, if only they came to know God. If only they could understand the truth of the universe the way the Bible has revealed it to me. I would want them to be saved. That's a family characteristic of a God who has unconditional benevolence toward every living thing. 
And I thought what we could do today is we just talked about this characteristic of God and at the very heart of God is love and, and that agape comes from God and is representative of God's nature. I thought we might look for some examples of that in our, in our human life and biblical examples. And, and I came up with, and we'll probably just go through them quickly. You know, sometimes I look at that clock and like right now, the candles are making a reflection on it. I can't really tell what time it is. I don't know if that happens all year long or just during Advent. I just noticed that now. So if anybody wants to give me a countdown, when it gets to about 10 after, you know, 11, you say, it's 10 after, Pastor Mark. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Could be. So here we go. Five examples of a agape in action. And we're going to build all of these examples, except the last one, around and as extensions of the most familiar verse in the Bible, which, of course, would be John 3.16. So here we go. First example is the way John wrote it in the first place. Number one, example of agape in action. God, that is God the Father, so loved, and there the word is agape, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. See, that's God's benevolence. He doesn't want people to perish. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want me to perish. He doesn't want anybody to come under the full weight of divine judgment upon their sin. He just doesn't want that. And this is the way that his love has said that want of God can perhaps be met. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, that is the son of God, should not perish, but have eternal life. And there's nothing better than that. Eternal life, life forever, fully redeemed, fully glorified, living in the presence of the Almighty God and of the heavenly hosts. And that's what God the Father wants for all of us. The Apostle Paul wrote Galatians 4, 4, now in the fullness of time. See, God's had this desire for a long time. From the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin, from the moment God had to curse the ground, this earth, and it began to, to fall apart in many ways, and he, he threw them out of that perfect Garden of Eden. From that moment on, God, in his agape-ness, desired to bring blessing to the human race. But Paul says it took time in the fullness of time. When it was the right time, exactly the right time, then God sent his son. The sending of Jesus Christ into the world was an expression of agape love. It was a fulfillment of God's desire to bring goodness and blessing to the human race. To bring, and so he sent his one and only, his beloved son, into the world. And he took that step, Paul said, at the perfect time, showing himself to be both, as we've found God to be through our studies, breathtakingly strategic. It needs to be done. This is how we can bring men and women to faith. 
and salvation, and it was brilliantly tactical. Now's the time. Everything set in place on earth. Now is the perfect time, the fullness of time, for the Son of God to be sent into the world, to be born as a human being. What an example of agape in action demonstrated by God the Father himself. Here's the second example, and we're still using John 3.16 as our template. Here's the way I'd read it. Example two, the Son of God so loved, agape the world, that he laid down his life to provide eternal life for all who will believe in him. Did that out of love. Jesus himself said, speaking of his own decision to do whatever needed to be done to bring goodness and blessing to others, he said, greater love, greater agape than this has no man, but that he laid down his life for his friends, John 15, 13. You see, once agape is activated, once the decision has been made to bring blessing and goodness to others, there is no length. There is no length to which agape will not go. No sacrifice that agape is not willing to make. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was filled. He was filled with that same sacrificial love that filled his own father's heart. And he came to do the Father's will, even at the cost of his own life. Agape was the motivating force behind both Jesus' birth in Bethlehem and his death on Calvary. Here's now a third example we can cite of agape in action. Still using John 3.16 as our framework. Number three, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God so loved agape, the world, that he willingly came, that he willingly came to companion and champion all born-again believers into the full experience of eternal life. Right while they're walking on this fallen world. Come that they might, as Jesus said, they might have life and have it abundantly. And that term eternal life, spiritual life, covers that abundant life Jesus talked about. And the Holy Spirit, he loved you enough. He loved you and me enough. He agaped us, desired nothing but good for us. That after Jesus came, after Jesus suffered, after Jesus died, after Jesus paid for our sins and then rose back up to heaven and was given a name and exalted, and he's in heaven this very moment, then the Father and the Son, as a continuing expression of their love for us, sent the Holy Spirit. And embodying that same divine love, the Holy Spirit came. Even like Jesus said, Father, I've come to do your will. There's no record of the Holy Spirit saying that, but his actions speak for themselves. Father, Son, 
I come to do your will, to continue the work that the Son of God has done in response to the desires of the Father himself. And I come as God with the same characteristics as, as the Father and the Son. And, and I'm just filled with, a, with an agape for every one of them. I want nothing but the best for them. I don't want them to just be merely saved. I don't want them to know the, the facts of Jesus' death on the cross and even believe them and ask the Father to forgive them and then be forgiven and then them just say, and now what? And now what? Well, hang on till heaven. No, the Spirit says that is, that is no way for the divine love of the Father, Son, and Spirit to, to be expressed in this world. I have so much more for you than just hanging on to heaven. Oh, I want you to grow into the very image of Christ. And I will, I will walk you into it. Of course, I've got to come. I've got to lower myself from the glories of heaven to walk around and Invisible though I am, I'm still in this world and I'm with you and I'm with you continually and I will never leave you. So no matter where you go, I go and sometimes I have to suffer because of what you expose me to. And sometimes I have to grieve when I hear some of the things you say and watch some of the things you do, but I love you enough that I'm going to be here until we get over it. And so I will guide you. I will walk with you. I will companion you. And as we say today, I will champion you. That is, I will build you into a champion for Christ and give you the ability to live the very life that in your heart you most want to win, live, so that you yourself can be a demonstration of love in this world. And you can communicate God's truth by the very way you live your life. And so John wrote in John 16, 13, now when he, the spirit of truth, comes, because there's nothing the spirit doesn't know, Every now and then, as children, it's a comfort to know that though God knows everything, he's a long ways away. Mom, you aren't going to tell God, are you? If I go to talk to the pastor, does he have to tell God? The Spirit's the Spirit of truth. He knows everything about everything. He knows everything about you and about me, and he's with us. He's right there listening firsthand. He's right there watching firsthand. He's committed to, to go with us through difficult times and troubles of our own making so that he can also go with us through times of great victory and joy and trial, overcoming as his own spirit begins to to build us and we become more and more like Jesus Christ who was truly a joyful one for the spirit to companion oh Jesus never did anything wrong Jesus was the son of God that enjoyed the fellowship of the spirit in such a way that every single thing the spirit wanted and done he found in Jesus Christ a willing servant 
And that's what he would want every one of us to be, to become like Christ, the Bible says again and again. And so here we have the Spirit, who's also a model of agape love. And he loves the world. He loves all those who are living and breathing on its surface. And as the Spirit of truth, he is seeking to bring truth to every one of them. Even though we know there are those who hear the truth and reject it. There are those who never hear it. There are those who have their own, they hear something and then make it in their own imagination something different. But he brings the truth to the world. He convicts the world of its sin, of its shortcomings. Thanks to the Spirit of God in this world, there is no one. There is no one in this world who can honestly say to themselves and look in the mirror with a clear face and say, that's true. There is no one who can say, I am and have lived and am living a perfect life. There's not a single human being who can say that and mean it. And it's because the spirit of truth is here convicting, convincing every single human being of their own lack of perfection. And for some of them, it just bums them out. For others of them, they take self-improvement classes. For others of them, they try to use their sinfulness to actually get an advantage in this world. But then there's some who say, and what can I do about that? How can I ever be right with a holy, righteous God being what I am? And then the Spirit brings the rest of the truth. He convicts the world of sin, yes, but he convicts the world also and convinces the world there is, for those who will listen, there is a righteous standard and Jesus Christ has kept it. And Jesus Christ has allowed his righteousness to be counted for you and to overcome your sinfulness. And that's the greatest good news. That's the best gospel message that can ever be given. And the Holy Spirit, why does he do that? Because he so loves the world that he wants them to be saved. And when we are saved, he so loves us that he companions us every every moment of the day. And he would champion us until someday he can present us to the Lord Jesus himself as the completed work that he's done. Lord Jesus, here's another champion. Born again through faith in your great work on Calvary. Developed into into your very image by, by their response to my work in their lives. And here they are. Here they are. That's why he's here. That's how his love is expressed. And that's what he wants each one of us to know. He says, I'm here to companion you and to champion you and to bring you into the full experience, as much as it can be experienced in a fallen world, the very, the very elements of eternal life. Oh, I tell you, that's a, 
That's an amazing thing. He comes and he walks with us and he guides us and he teaches us and he conforms us to the very Son of God. I would think in some ways the Spirit has perhaps been called upon to show the ultimate in agape love. It's fallen to him to be the one who is to persevere through all the hours and days and years of this earthly existence. And he has willingly given himself to that task. Oh, how great. How great is the agape love that the Spirit of God has expended on his, in his ministry to the children of God. Here's now a fourth example. Quickly, agape in action. Still using John 3.16 as our inspiration for the followers of Christ. Put your own name in that paragraph. Instead of plural, make it singular for the moment. And just put your own name in there. The followers of Christ have so loved, that is agape, the world, that they have invested their lives in taking his message to them. They have so loved the world that they have invested their lives in taking his message to them, to the people of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, he said to his chosen disciples on that day, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. In the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 4, after a persecution broke out against the church and everybody fled for their lives, they didn't just flee for their lives and say, I'm never going to talk about this to anybody. I've already gotten in trouble enough being a Christian. No, it says those who had been scattered, those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. That's how the good news of Jesus Christ came to you and me. There's an unbroken chain of proclaimers and receivers that links us to the us in the 21st century to those in the 1st century. Only sacrificial love, agape love would cause men and women to invest their lives in the sharing of the message with those who have never heard in places where the messengers are not particularly either welcomed or wanted. I come from a missionary family. I grew up knowing that my father's sister, Frances, and her husband, George, and their children were serving as missionaries in Japan. I grew up knowing that my father's other sister, Florence, was serving as a single woman missionary in Africa. And that was back in the days when you couldn't FaceTime from Africa to the United States, and it would seem like this person is not thousands of miles away. They're right here in my telephone. Couldn't do that back then. My Aunt Flo would write letters on what was called air airplane, airmail paper. It was so thin, onion kind of paper that it didn't weigh anything because you had to pay by the fraction of an ounce to get it somewhere. And we would get those letters that you'd open up so carefully and 
and it could take a long time for the letter to get from where she was to where we were. And it's like she had gone a long, long ways away. And when she would come home on furlough, which was about every five years, or my aunt and uncle from Japan would come home with their kids on furlough from every five years, it was like they they were just so different people. Hard even to relate to them, to know quite a... how, how How do you do that? How do you pack up and leave everybody and go so far and then raise your children in a land where their their native language is Japanese? The love of God takes a person to make those commitments and to to recognize that we have something to tell that must be told and and to be able to uh, every Sunday in Sunday school take up our Sunday school offering and and there at the back of the room was a little globe, a little globe bank that was uh, Aunt Flo's offering. And the children would put their offering every week into that little globe that helped support her ministry. It's like, Wow, there's a, there's, a, there's a love here. There's a, a motivation here. There's a, a sacrifice here that, that makes anything we're going through in the United States when you don't have money for new shoes or your mom just sewed or, or ironed new patches on the knees of your jeans. You think, well, what about Aunt Flo? You see, believers in Jesus Christ Many of them over the years have invested their lives in taking his message to the world. Twice. Twice in the history of this church, our church has sent my granddaughter, Savannah, out on student missionary trips while she was a student at Cal Baptist. Twice we did that. Linda and I got a phone call two nights ago completely surprised me and Linda. We were nearly asleep. Savannah was just getting going in her evening. And she says, Papa, I just thought I should tell you, you might be getting a phone call that's a little bit weird. And I should tell you before it comes. Because here's what I've done. She had a dear friend that she went to college with, a young lady who has been involved in a ministry, a missionary ministry, in a foreign country that I won't tell you about because Savannah said, don't give the details because they may not choose me. Well, here's the point. She's offered herself. She says, my friend called me. There's There's a school that's half missionary kids and it's half native kids. And most of these kids, native kids, national kids, when they come to this school because their parents want them to get a good schooling, most of them don't even know or recognize the name Jesus. And they have an opening. And she called me. Her friend called. And Savannah said, I, I filled out an application. If the Lord wants me to do that, you know, I'm I've now got a, I soon in a couple of months will have a full-blown teaching credential and I would be accepted by their standards and, and it's an opportunity to serve Christ. 
Now, it may not happen, so I would say, pray for Savannah. Pray for this process, that she's thrown her hat into the, into the ring, as it were, and says, I'm ready to go, and I'm, I'm qualified to go, and my heart would be delighted and excited to go, and, uh, but this is where we are. This is two-day-old news. And so she said, you might be getting a phone call from the people of the organization asking about me. And I jokingly said, should I tell them you're in the church that I pastor, but you haven't heard a sermon in probably 15 years? (laughs) She said, oh, I already told them that. I told them that I've been working with my mother since I was a baby in the in the nursery and then in the young people's the children's department in the Sunday school and, and, and this is just how it's been. And the fellow she was talking to had initially said, now here's something you've got to consider. Where this school is, there are very few actual churches. Very little Christian fellowship or teaching or whatever because it's a, it's a mission field. And then she said, oh, well, that's... So he was saying, you really have to have pretty much of a self-contained faith, a solid faith. And then she told him, well, that wouldn't be a problem because I, (laughs) you know, I I don't hang on my grandpa's sermons every single week. In fact, I haven't heard very many of them because I've been involved in in teaching all this time. So that's... That's underway, but that's, a, that's an ex- only agape love, see. But when it begins to stir in us, there's no length to which we would not go to give expression to what God has laid upon our heart. Well, here's just the last one, then we'll be done. Our fifth and final example of agape in action, let me just put it this way, five. Jesus himself commands all those who believe in him to agape, love, one another, even as he had loved agape them. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, this loving relationship you have, by this shall all men know that you really are my disciples, if you love, and that is agape, one another. If you're the kind of people that look upon your Christian fellows and say there isn't anything I wouldn't do for them, I want God's best for them, I want goodness to come to them, I want everything that I know is is good in our Christian faith to be experienced by them. And I stand by them. If they fall, if they fail, if they wander, we, we, we just uh, never let them go. And whatever their needs might be, they become our needs. Love one another, agape one another. That word is just so filled with meaning, with action, with implications, with possibilities that God would just say, never Never let it get far from your, your conscious awareness. Final thought just says this. Agape lies behind and beneath all Christian truth and practice. Without agape, it's mere religion. 
With agape, it's life that has the scent of heaven on it. Agape. It's indeed a word to live by. Heavenly Father, we thank you for putting your eternal truth into words. Words that have been protected. Words that have been translated. Words that have been brought down through the years to where they can stir our minds and our hearts. And and Father, this word, this unique word, prepared for us in the Greek language, a standalone word that is not confusing, does not mean a thousand things, but means this thing. This word that communicates the very heart love of God, the commitment that you have to all who are yours, your commitment to every living, breathing soul, that only goodness would come to them, that truth would break in upon them, that new life would be discovered by them, and that the image of Christ would be formed in them. Oh, Father, we just pray that this word might take its place in the vital vocabulary of our lives. For we ask it now in Jesus' name and for his sake. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.